Welcome to The Scrap Show, a production of Recycling Today. Covering the business of scrap metal recycling, we feature conversations about markets, technology, the industry's rich history, and the traditions and ways of doing business that stay reliably familiar. Listen in as guests from across the country and around the world, processors, traders, and industry allies provide insights and observations. The Scrap Show, a conversation between friends in an industry with a rich history and a bright future. Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Taylor, Senior Editor with the Recycling Today Media Group, and welcome to The Scrap Show. As our podcast names state, you know, we're here to talk about scrap recycling. Each episode, I'll engage in a conversation with someone from the industry. And today, I'm very happy to welcome Zach Mallon, a relatively young member of the management team at Mallon Companies of Kansas City, Missouri. Mallon Companies is a family business, and it focuses in large part on wire and cable processing. Zach is the four, a fourth-generation member of that family. He's been learning the industry from his father, and I suspect his grandfather also, and he's bringing his own ideas to the multi-generational company. Zach, welcome. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate you having me today. Very much, very much my pleasure. I think the place to start for our listeners who aren't especially familiar with the company is maybe a little company history. How did the Mallon family get started in the scrap business, and, and when was that? Uh, so our, our company started in 1928. Uh, my great-grandpa and my great-uncle started our company as Mallon Brothers Company. Okay. Um, they, they first began with a horse and wagon and went around town picking up, you know, bottles, tires, cans, rags, anything they could, they could salvage, and, uh, you know, eventually morphed into focusing in on the, the scrap metal business. Okay. And that was in Kansas city. That's where you've been from the beginning. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wire processing. Now when people think of mailing companies, they think of wire and cable processing. That's been the specialty for several decades. Who made that decision and, and why, why go into that? Well, uh, my grandpa was the one who made that decision to get into the wire processing aspect okay. of the business. Um, you know, after years of, of taking this copper wire down to, to the landfill and, and burning the casing off of it or the insulation, you know, he, he thought there has to be a better way. Um, you know, there's got to be a safer way to do it, a healthier way to do it, and, and a more sustainable way to do it. So he, um, he, he actually got in touch with the Southwestern Bell Company at the time, who was uh-huh. handling all their telephone cable. Okay. And, and they they were chopping it. So this is where he, he got the idea. And that's how we started in, in that part of the business. Okay. And that's Larry, Larry Mallon is the grandfather you're referring to. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And that was in the seventies or what decade would that have been? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably okay. later seventies there. All right. Well, the, if we could talk a little bit about wire and cable processing, wire chopping, uh, you know, it's a, it's a business model that has proven itself. It's been around for several decades how does it uh, how does it fare with price volatility and the different commodity cycles that can come and go? How, is wire chopping? It sounds like is able. There's a margin there in every market. <laughs> uh, some sometimes more 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 margin than others, but okay. uh, just like everything. But um, you know the, the nice aspect of the wire chopping uh, part of the industry is you know you you can fluctuate between aluminum and copper wire. Hmm. Uh, you know, so so I guess if one's doing a little bit better than the other, 
you do have a little flexibility as far as what you're purchasing. Okay. So, and processing. So, you know, uh, that kind of helps you navigate it more or less, um, you know, and, and at this point, our company has transitioned really uh, from the copper wire um, into more of the aluminum ACSR, insulated okay. aluminum wire and, and the URD cables. Okay, so for those, which could include the person interviewing, who aren't as familiar with those technical terms, those are thicker wiring cables used in transmission, or what, what are some of the applications for that kind of wire? Yeah, so the, the ACSR aluminum core steel reinforced, uh, that's just your bare, you know, big transmission cable, big power lines, mm -hmm. uh, that type of stuff. Um, and then just standard insulated aluminum wire, that's... Uh, just like copper wire, just, just got aluminum and uh, your URD, which is underground residential distribution cable. Oh. And that also that has aluminum wires as well as copper wires within the same cable. Okay. Okay. I, I take it then technology, whether it's you personally or, or other members of the organization, keeping on top of processing technology must be a part of the job, a significant part of the job. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, there's just so much you know, bigger and better technology these days. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we went from hand feeding a, a slow speed shredder to, you know, now we have these huge, you know, pre-shredders that are just taking in so many pounds per hour compared okay. to what we, what we used to, you know, five to 10 times as much as we used to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. And in terms of the end product now, whether it's aluminum or copper, is Malin companies being almost the geographic center of the United States. Do you, you, do you tend to stay in North America or are there markets beyond, you know, beyond our shores that you, you tend to sell into? We, we really like to uh, keep the material domestically. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think it's just good to get back, you know, the business back to the United States and, and keep our infrastructure rolling and, and our production, you know, uh, just on the forefront there. And, uh, there are times, of course, you know, the, the overseas markets are competitive, mm -hmm. um, but for the, for the most part, we, we'd like to keep it here in the States. I see. Okay. Uh, I'd mentioned in the introduction, you're a fourth generation family member, your father, you're currently vice president, you had mentioned, and um, your father, Jeffrey, is the president right now. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. So uh, still have three generations working there, my grandpa and my father. So okay. pretty lucky guy. I get to work with my dad and my grandpa every day. Yeah, that's um, it does sound like it, it works very well. And maybe that's sort of the nature of my next question is, you know, the Malins have been able to retain interest in the company across several generations. Are there factors you can cite for that? You know, I mean, are there things being done right that, that you could pass on to other companies and say, if you want to keep the succeeding generations interested, consider this? Um, I think a lot of it's communication. You know, hmm. we're, we're all, all three of us are very open, uh, you know respectful of, of everyone's opinion and you know just just putting everything out on the table no one's doing anything without somebody else knowing about it and uh, I think that's the key you keep the line of communication open and that way everyone's on the same page you have the same mindset and same goals and okay that way you can, you can continue to move forward together I see do you tend to do that in mostly informally or do you do some formal you know family get-togethers or, or corporate executive get-togethers to, to keep the words flowing? Uh, a little bit of both. Yeah. We, uh, okay. We'll, we'll step out and have a little family dinner sometimes and, <laughs> you know, shoot around some company ideas, you know, okay. that we need, we need to talk about for sure. Good. Good. 
good. Yeah. Well, we've certainly mentioned that you're in Kansas City. The, the, the facility itself is in Missouri, but it's, it's, it's a town that's half in one state, half in another. Um, I guess my, my question about Kansas City is a good place to conduct business for reasons of, say, freight or for finding and retaining good workers. How would you assess Kansas City? Yeah, I would, I would say it's a, it's a pretty good town. Um, you know, still, still a very uh, industrial area. Mm -hmm. um, still, still a lot of that, you know, manufacturing going on here in Kansas City. Um, okay. So yeah, so, so to that aspect, it definitely does help as far as finding, you know, uh, good workers, reliable people, people that will get their hands dirty and right. <laughs> do some of the tougher jobs. Um, and, and absolutely freight-wise, you know, that, that helps tremendously. Uh, you know, obviously center of the country, very, very good lanes as far as, as you know, the trucking companies are concerned. Okay. They can get here, you know, most of them can get from, from a lot of places in a day, you know, it's a one day run. So yeah, mm -hmm. very, very helpful on, on the freight aspect. Okay. And Kansas City is a, is a place to live. I guess I see, I think that might be a Kansas City Chiefs banner behind you, or I'm not certain. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. yeah, it is. My okay. Super Bowl, so. Super Bowl uh, blanket. I got Right. If we, were, if we were doing this interview a year <laughs> earlier, you would say the Super Bowl champion Chiefs, but they, uh, That's right. Yeah. Uh, Super Bowl contending yeah. Chiefs, I think it's safe to say. And as a Clevelander, I'm not real happy about how they got there this previous yeah, right. year. But uh, <laughs> so you, uh, beyond uh, attending sporting events, what are some ways your company has been involved in the community? Um, you know, I think, I think there's, I occasionally get a news release or, or the, the Malin company is someone from the Malin company is involved in a, you know, in some sort of a community or not-for-profit activity. What are some of the ways the Malins yeah. have done that? Kept that going. Um, you know, we're, we're very fortunate and, and very happy to uh, give back to our community and, and some local organizations. Um, one of the main ones, uh, my grandpa was very involved with Boy Scouts of America. Hmm. And so uh, we've been pretty involved in that. My dad and I are both Eagle Scouts and we've, we've given back to them quite a bit. Um, okay. Another, another one that, that our entire family is very involved in here locally is um, Kansas City Hospice House and Palliative Care. Oh. Uh, hmm. Very, very unique organization. Um, you know, they have so many different aspects of um, how far their philanthropy reaches out. And it's not necessarily only handling people at the end of life. Um, you know, they, they help kids that have lost a parent. Uh, they have different programs. They have, you know, mothers that have lost a child. Um, so mm -hmm. a lot of different um, aspects of this organization uh, that I think is a little bit different with the Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. So um, fortunately, luck, luckily this year, my wife and I are, um, are able to be the chairs of their annual philanthropy event. Oh, so okay. Actually, uh, we're going to be sponsoring that and uh, hopefully getting a good turnout. Going to be virtual this year again. Oh, is it again? Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, but uh, that's, that's, hopefully it'll be a good program and, and, and we've done a nice job of fundraising so far. So looking forward good. to it. Best of luck with that. I hope it does go well. Thank you. Thank you. But the other aspect of sort of giving back involves uh, the industry itself and ISRI uh, in, in particular, I guess. I know there's some involvement there. I, I think you've already gotten a start uh, with ISRI involvement. I, I take it that it runs in the family also. Um, yeah. Yep. So I uh, am currently the president of the Mid-America chapter of ISRI. So yeah, been a, been a few years now that 
uh, I've been involved, you know, working my way up the ranks. And uh, so, yeah, it's been, it's been nice. Finally did an in-person uh, board meeting with Israel National in Washington, D.C. Um, yeah, a few weeks back and uh, very nice to, to meet some fellow volunteers. Right, exactly. <laughs> because, in person, uh, finally. It was a long, long year and a half on Zoom with everyone. So it was really nice to get out there and, you know, happy, happy to give back to the organization. You know, they do so much great work for our companies, you know, mm -hmm. across the nation whether it's, you know, you know, advocacy, um, safety, everything, you know, they're really looking at and they do a really fantastic job for, for our businesses. Okay. Which chapter is Malin is well, Kansas city located within? So we're in the mid America chapter, mid -America. which is now the entire state of Missouri and the entire state of Illinois. Okay. Okay. Terrific. Mm -hmm. What a, you are, I think the youngest guest, you know, we've had the scrap show. This is maybe the eighth or ninth one of, that I've recorded. And uh, so I guess you're the right person to maybe ask the perspective of coming in as a younger person to the industry. Are you find, Are you meeting other people about your age? Do you feel like maybe the industry could do a little more recruiting of, of folks in their 20s and 30s? Or how do you think the industry, scrap recycling industry is doing on that front? Um, I think it's tremendously better than what it was when I first uh entered the business full-time. Okay. So I've, I've, I've been with, with our company seven years now, full-time. Mm. And uh, yeah, back then there was not a whole, to me, it appeared there was not a whole lot of individuals, you know, my age, you know, okay. 22, you know, 20s, 30s. And and at this point, I, I think it's just grown immensely, really. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's a lot of younger individuals now. I think, you know, people are realizing it's a good industry. It's good business. Um, you know, and, and it's not necessarily just somebody out in a, a yard getting your hands dirty. I mean, you can be a trader or a broker mm -hmm. and, and, you know, you, you can take a business degree or a business talent, you know, and, and turn into something in this industry. So I think, I think the industry has done a nice job of recruiting. Okay, um, good. Another good, great aspect of um, ISRI is that we have a young executives council. So mm -hmm. individuals under 40. Uh, get together with with meetings and we uh, host events within different Israeli national events, uh, you know, so so it really allows for some great networking and uh, being able to get to know everyone um, that's, you know, been in the business uh, a few less years than some of our elders. Right. Okay. Are you finding a lot other third, fourth, fifth generation uh, individuals? Or are you also finding folks who've come in because they, they had an interest in, in the industry and they really don't have that same family history. Right. Yeah. A little bit of both. Okay. Um, it, it is always, it's always great to meet some other folks that, you know, have their entire family involved and right. understand the same perspective and what, what you've gone through and how you handle business. Um, but yeah, again, there's, there's a lot of individuals that are coming out of college now and, you know, realizing this is a, this is a solid industry to be, to be a part of. Right. Good. Um, in terms of the wire and cable specifically, I guess I know one of the things as a media group we're occasionally writing about is the potential electrification of the vehicle fleet. Um, you know, it's happening in other parts of the world, maybe faster than in North America, but it, it seems to be something with a little momentum. I'm kind of curious to what extent you've looked at that. And if EVs gain market share and start getting into the double digits and the high double digits, is that a 
is that a good sign the electrical grid is going to receive you know long-term investments and you'll be very busy or how do you look at that yeah i, I would absolutely say it's it's definitely going to help out with the, with the power grid you know they're going to need charging stations and, and you got to run cable and wire to those and um you know it, it's just going to generate more scrap which is which is very fortunate you know that's that's the nice part about being in the wire and cable industry um you know a lot of you know, pr projects are always happening, whether right. they're just, just manufacturing cable and you're getting production scrap or mm -hmm. tearing something down and you're getting that scrap. Um, you know, that, that, that is the nice thing is that our, our country seems to be constantly reinvesting in our power grid and our electrical, you know, infrastructure, which, which is very helpful for, for our business. Right. Yeah, it is one of those, I guess, Certainly scrap recycling is considered a hidden industry of a lot of folks, but I think often one has to be reminded when you turn that switch on and you actually get lights, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole infrastructure behind there that has to be maintained. Right. Yeah. I guess yeah. you have a front row seat to that to some extent. Yeah. That, the power's coming from a long ways away sometimes. Uh-huh. Right. You know, miles and miles of cable. How does that tie into... Again, we'll go back to that that young person, uh, the theoretical and and actual young person industry. When you look at the wire and cable processing sector, does it seem to have a does it seem to have a sound future to you? Um, yeah, I, I think so. I think the future is is bright. Um, you know, there, there's just so much going on, and the world's growing at such a fast pace right now. Mm -hmm. um, so you know. And, not, not even just this, the wire and cable industry. I mean, just scrap metal recycling. You know, it's, it's one of those industries that's it's not going to go away. Right. We're constantly going to be demoing, you know, buildings and rebuilding and manufacturing. Um, it, it's just going to be, you know, it's when it, you might not always get the price you want for it, but right. But it's, it's going to be around this business. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to the future. You know, they got. So like we were speaking about earlier, so much mm -hmm. technology and things, you know, we're, we're doing so much more as an industry as far as uh, capturing all the value. I okay. mean, everybody, everybody is putting in so much downstream equipment that is cleaning up what used to be a byproduct. And now it's just, it's becoming, you know, you're, you're just getting so much more value out of it by, mm -hmm. by reclaiming all of the metal you possibly can. Okay. When you talk to friends uh, who are outside the industry, perhaps high school, college friends, neighborhood friends, you know, do they, what kind of understanding do you think people have of the scrap industry right now? Is it, do they, do they quite understand the, how it works or is it often take some explaining? Uh, it takes a little explaining. When I first uh, met my wife, I told her I was a commodities broker. So <laughs> that sounded much more glamorous. <laughs> yeah, as I said, I thought that sounded uh, pretty fancy there, you know. <laughs> I mean, I do buy and sell metal all day, but, you know, we also get out there and we'll drive a truck or a skid steer or excavator, you know. Right. Um, so, yeah, it, it definitely does take a little explaining. Um, I wouldn't trade it for anything, though. I mean, I love sitting at a desk for a quarter of my day and then the rest of it's getting up, walking around, you know, like I said, getting on a piece of equipment, and, you know, doing whatever needs to be done. And, and you know, that, that part's enjoyable. It's something, something new every day. And. But yeah, we, it takes a couple of my buddies, maybe a couple tours down to the yard to, to, sure. to figure out. Okay. I try, I try to paint a picture of what wire chopping is, but uh, until, until you're there seeing it and 
watching it and hearing how loud it is, you don't really know what it <laughs> right. is. Right, exactly. Um, I, I'm kind of curious. I've been writing about this for almost 25 years, and I'd say early on, you know, the word sustainability wasn't wasn't a, I don't even know it was a word yet, but it wasn't something right. people talked about. And there was certainly some very much the thought that recycling metal is a good is a good thing for the planet, saves resources. But at this point, do you do you think there'll be an influx of interest in scrap metal recycling because of the sustainability angle? Will it will it help attract talent and people who just say, hey, I want to be part of something good? It's a very interesting question, Brian. Um, I think a lot of folks, right, want to go green, want to mm -hmm. recycle. You know, that's that's big out there, right? Like that's a headline. Um, legislatively, though, mm -hmm. it is almost a hindrance. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I. I can speak to some of the Missouri, you know, legislation that, that we fought through last year. And, and it's very constricting on, you know, certain aspects of our industry and what we can do. So it's very interesting. You're kind of being told one thing in the media and the mainstream. And then, well, when we get behind, you know, when we get to really working on it, um, I think that our industry could use a little more help from our government, frankly, than, um, and what they're doing currently you know it's it's really nice to to say we want to recycle and we want to do these things but well let's let's help out you know recycling companies and let's find a way to partner you know to eliminate theft and to, to mm -hmm. do the things that that we need to do to be successful you know i mean right we're our industry is all about sustainability I mean, we're the ones literally taking people's trash right. we're refining it and sending it somewhere that will process and make it into a new product yeah and you know you know and you don't you didn't go to the landfill and you, you know that that metal staying out of the earth and we're turning it into something new so it's a very uh, very interesting balance right now trying as to you figure, say trying uh, to yeah it's a disconnect between um the notion of recycling and the industrial processes that it takes to actually turn something from a discarded object into something new that involves exactly. it involves noise. It involves maybe smoke somewhere else. It's you know it's not right. It's not just exactly. a blue bin, right? Exactly right. Is that where a lot of the attention right now you think is whether you personally or Israel as an organization? Is that where a lot of the focus is right now? It sounds like. Yeah, there, there's a lot of focus on it, um, just across the board. I mean, un unbelievable. You know, with all this environmental justice that they speak about. So there's a tremendous amount of legislation being pushed through every state mm -hmm. trying to get these new laws and ordinances in. And, you know, like I said, I mean, it takes a lot of, a lot of time and effort, a lot of lobbying. Um, you know, I was down in our state capital this year, uh, working with our lobbyists and, and testifying against a couple of bills and things. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of, a lot of time, effort and money being, being spent on, on this topic right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. How uh, do you, you had mentioned the value of a tour and explaining a facility tour and explaining how the industry actually works. Is there, has there been some success on that front? Have you been able to, whether Malin companies or the, the mid-American chapters have been able to maybe make some legislators more familiar with the process? Yeah, I think that's, that's huge. You know, a lot of times what you want to do is, is get somebody in there into a facility, walk them around, show mm -hmm. them what we're doing you know, show them how extensive our safety programs are, you know, what we're doing for workers, what 
to keep them safe, you know, right. And see, you know, this isn't, this isn't the old school anymore. I mean, it, mm -hmm. our business has evolved. I mean, we spend so much time and money on safety, you know, and, and all that and keeping our yards, you know, up to spec and, and, and doing what we do, which is recycling. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that plays a big role. If you're able to get a legislator down into your facility, you know, walk them around, show them what we're doing, you know, you look mm -hmm. at one big pile of something that looks like literally like trash and then you show them that finished product and right. Wow. You know, look what we just did. And this is going to go be a part of X, Y, and Z. Right. You know? Correct. So, yeah. That's, that's a huge move. If you can get somebody down to your yard and show them that's, that's a big play. Okay. Terrific. This, there's a question I did not put in the ones that I sent you ahead of time, but I, I, it occurs to me as I as we sit here and talk, um, and that involves family businesses staying viable going forward. I mean, certainly, you know, there are waves of consolidation, and there are some big players out there in North America now in the scrap business with multiple, multiple locations. Malin Companies has, I guess, chosen to just stay in one place with one facility, and is, do you think that's are you okay with that? Do you think that's where the future can lie for mailing companies? Is to just be a good, strong, solid regional player. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, definitely aided to our success. You know, mm -hmm. being being centrally located, one one place. Um, you know, again, going back to you know, we're working with my dad and my grandpa, and we're right. uh, you know, it's a it's a good team. Um, and this that's kind of just the decision we've made throughout the years that you know it's just, it's successful and. And it's working here. Um, would always like to grow, of course. Right, right. <laughs> Every business owner wants to grow, and, and we're always working on that. But um, so far, yeah, it's 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 uh, staying within our confines. I guess it, it's working. So um, we're going to be here for a while, hoping to. Um, but you're right. There's there's a lot of, of mergers and acquisitions. You know, there's mm -hmm. big big companies that are coming in and and. In buying, you know, smaller yards, uh, sometimes bigger yards too. But um, right. you know that that always is a cycle as well, just like everything in our mm -hmm. business. You know, there's always that time that that crunch of consolidation, and then you seem to go, you know, five six years of of not not so much. But um, it's it's definitely tougher. You know, you're seeing less of the family businesses for sure. Right. You know, there there definitely is not as many as there were a decade ago. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, time will tell, but Mallon Companies is hanging in strong. All right. Terrific. I'll, I'll close with the, the final question. Now that you've had seven years and uh, which, you know, maybe that's fewer years than some of the other scrap show guests we've had. But now that you've had seven years to try out to, to play different roles with, with Mallon Companies, what, what do you see yourself? What's the role you like best? Where do you think you'll put your emphasis or because it's a family business, do you think you'll have to be a sort of a generalist going generalist going forward? And, and, you know, as you say, find yourself doing something different every couple of hours. What's what, right. what, what will Zach Mallon be doing in 10 years? <laughs> uh, hopefully doing the same thing. You know, I okay. think it's, uh, it's important to be flexible. I think that's a big part of our company. I also think that, you know, your, your ability to, to do different things with it, gains you a lot of respect mm. uh, from your workers. Okay. And so that, that helps out, but um, you know, I, I really enjoy the operations side. I, I like it. I'm, I'm an efficiency guy. I enjoy 
looking at new equipment and how to uh-huh. do things better. Um, okay. So I handle most of our, of our big projects as far as innovation and things of that nature. So, you know, I, I like to, to keep researching different equipment and different stuff and seeing what, you know, where, where can we take this wire chopping and kind of continue to, you know, move it forward, get more metal, you know, and, and generate less waste. So I think, uh, that's that's my main thing. I like coming up with the, the big picture ideas. Okay, terrific. Well, Zach, it's been a real pleasure to spend uh, spend some time with you today. And I, I think our, I, I know our listeners will feel the same way. I think they've gotten a little bit of insight into the, the specialty wire and cable processing niche. And uh, I thank you for your time. Yep, thank you, Brian. I appreciate it very much. And to the listeners out there, I'll, I'll say thank you for listening. And please do, please do, Look for other episodes of The Scrap Show on our RecyclingToday.com website. Goodbye, everybody.